Hi, I'm Danielle Johnson, and this is the first episode of Turn and Talk, where teachers talk about teacher stuff. I'm here today with Abby Ramos-Stanitz. So, Abby, I hear some really cool things are going on in your classroom right now, but I want you to start by telling us about you and your role and what you do at your school. Hi, Danielle. Um, yeah, I teach eighth grade language and literature at Barbara Bush Middle School here in Irving, but it's part of Carrollton Farmers Branch. Um, and we're an IB school, and I run the department. That's pretty much about me. Yeah. Okay, and how long have you been teaching? This will be my 14th year, I believe. Yes. Okay. Always middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, so a little bit of everything. Yeah, but always language and literature. And what is something you love about your job? Uh, I love the ability to be creative every day and to actually make things that are meaningful for my kids. Um, I think that if I couldn't actually use my skills and change it up every day, I'd get very bored. So teaching is the best job for that, for being creative, for sure. And um, what's been going on in your classroom lately? Well, I'm actually really loving this unit that we're in right now. It's what I call my book love unit, and it's all about getting kids to read a lot, uh, to read like a lot of books that they're excited about, and then also like interact with them in fun and meaningful ways. So it's also like the biggest free choice uh, unit that I have. So at the beginning of the unit, I tell kids that they have three different sections of options, and they're the create, research, and persuade. And so over the course of three to four weeks, they choose a project that's somewhere in my create menu and a project in my research menu and one in my persuade unit uh, menu. And then um, they choose one of those projects, they decide when they're going to do it, and then they just choose one of those to be a summative and two to be formative. So they have free choice over everything, what they're reading, how they do it, the formats. And so it's really engaging for the students and they come up with some really cool products. So kids are assigning themselves projects and assigning themselves due dates. That seems kind of risky. How's it going? Um, yes, so it is absolutely risky. I mean, anytime you um, relinquish control of the classroom, I think as teachers, we feel that it's risky. But it's not like I'm just sitting there handing things out to them and then just sitting in the corner. I get to kind of engage as like a coach. And um, I've actually, that's where a lot of growth has happened in our unit, is I've always been good at conferencing with the reading, like making sure that they were moving forward and like meeting them where they are. But with these projects, with everybody doing something different on a different day, I've had to kind of rethink my coach. And so I jump in there and I just try and think of ways and I have like a set of prescribed questions that help me move their projects forward to make sure that they're getting the best product that they can. What was your goal in designing something like this for your kids where they have so much choice over not only what they're reading, what they're working on, when it's due, which ones count as summative grades, which one count as formative grades. So what was really your goal for your students in this project? Well, when I was designing the unit, what I really wanted was for, were for the kids to read a lot and engage with the text in meaningful ways. And so um, you may know of our star test is right around the corner. So um, I hate star prep. And so in lieu of like a bunch of packets or, you know, doing like um, passages, that kind of thing, what I wanted them to be doing was reading to build as much fluency and stamina as they possibly could and then to be able to differentiate specifically for the skills that those kids needed. So now, instead of being like, you're my small group, I need to pull you to the side because you don't understand, um, they're working on meaningful projects at different times, and I can engage with them one-on-one -on -one and actually meet them where their learning is. So then I wanted to pair that with some things. You know, since we are an IB school, we're always trying to get the kids to think about their own learning and then al also, like, to plan and make a process. So I wanted them to plan out, like, what are my strengths? How do I play to those strengths? Which one should I do first? Like, the time management aspect of it. Because they are eighth graders 
years and I am trying to get them ready for high school and the expectations there where someone won't necessarily be holding their hand the whole time. Um, there were two facets of this, like the reading stamina and also being able to differentiate. And then, of course, the student-led part of it, which I feel like they're ready for at this part of the year. So this seems like there's requires a lot of student agency. And how did you communicate that to the students? Because this is pretty different mm -hmm. from what they get most of the year, what they're getting in a lot of their other classes. So how did you communicate the importance of agency and prioritization yes. to your students in a way that they could really connect with? Yes, I had to build in a lot of supports at the beginning. So not only, like, we took it piece by piece. So I told them, the good news is you have complete free choice over all of these X, Y, Z. And then I said, now, talk with your partner about what would be, like, the the downfall of that like what could be the problems and they overwhelmingly said there's no one to blame but myself and I thought yes that's exactly it but that's kind of how real work is like no one's up there holding your hand the whole time um so we went through the list of project uh projects I had them pick one um sitting there in front of sitting there in front of me and then we prioritized our skills with like a mini project so I had them research little free libraries and then um create an ad for a little free library and write some persuasive statements to like convince our principal. And then I said, which one of these was your best skill or your easiest one? Which area, you know, do you feel like you're the most successful at? And so they had to kind of sit and say, well, I'm better at creating. Researching is the hardest for me. And we kind of um, discussed that. And then when we went through and assigned the project, the projects to themselves, they kind of had to see like, I have this many days. Do I want to do the hardest thing first? And we kind of talked through that. And then every day when they're working, they have a progress monitor log, which is on Google Classroom. And so all they do is write what they got accomplished today and what they plan to do tomorrow. And so this is to help us with those transitions. So nobody can come and be like, I forgot what I was doing or I don't remember what I'm supposed to do because they left a note for themselves. And so that has actually kept things moving along. And I mean, if I wanted to, I could stand there and my class is pretty focused on what they're doing. So I really am just left with the interaction and trying to move kids forward into getting the best products um, because the engagement is really high in this project. I think it's really neat how yeah. you kind of assessed them mm -hmm. and like they self-assessed with a mini project mm -hmm. instead of like a straight typical formative skills assessment. They did a mini project and reflected to figure out where their strengths and weaknesses are. That's really cool. So how are you staying organized with a hundred oh, yes. different kids and a hundred different places, literally a hundred different kids, a yeah. hundred different places <laughs> yes. with a, three different, projects different books and a yeah. hundred different books. <laughs> yes. How on earth are you keeping organized as a teacher? Yeah, that's a great question because that was one of my struggles in planning for the unit. And then also along the way, I've had to build in some supports for myself because, you know, I'm not the most organized person all the time either. So when it first started, I made sure that the kids filled out a form, a Google form for me telling me like what book they were reading right now, kind of what their plan was for which due date they would, um, which project they would do for each due date, and then any questions they have. And so then I printed all that out on a spreadsheet or a Google Sheet, and I keep that in a binder with my conferencing records. So I have a page for every student, and I just write the date and kind of what they're doing, and I can look at my spreadsheet and know by the date kind of what they should be working on. And then with that, I have my list of those questions I was telling you about to move them forward. So for example, if I know that they are creating something, then I ask them, you know, about their process or about which part they would change right now if they had more time, how they would rate themselves. And I've got that all listed there in my little binder. The biggest struggle, I'm not going to lie to you, has been grading. 
um, because there are lots of different formats of things being turned in because the products range from, you know, creating a book trailer, which is entirely digital, um, making a social media and print campaign for a book, or, you know, downright just plain old research essays about the author, that kind of thing. So I have, you know, some getting turned in on Google Classroom, some being turned in a physical box. Um, so that has been the hardest thing. But basically what I did within my grade book is I have three different categories, one for major grade and two for daily. And then I just fill them in as they go along. So I kept like a visual reminder that, hey, there's an empty box there. I need to go check on that kid. And I can make a note for that on their conference record. Okay, so you yeah. actually just hit my next question of how on earth you are grading all oh, these different yes. things. Yes. So are you using a rubric? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, these are all sorts of different projects mm -hmm. that they don't look like by any stretch. So how are you really able to assess student mastery when everything looks so different? Yes, well, so that goes back to, like, the point of the unit. And so even if, like, the product is not just the most beautiful thing, um, I have a holistic rubric that I'm looking for that checks for the understanding. Because what I'm really looking for is their understanding of the book. So even if the book trailer isn't just, like, the snazziest, coolest thing that's ever happened, can I tell, like, or can I assess that the student understood the book well enough to make the trailer? Are they, like, showing me evidence of their understanding of the book and then these techniques that we've talked about? Because we have done many lessons on, you know, persuasive techniques and, you know, author's purpose, author's style, etc. So that's really what I'm looking for in that holistic uh, rubric, which um, is, I also think, kind of equitable because some kids, you know, have the ability to go home and sit there on their, their Chromebook. And even though we all have Chromebooks, not every kid has the time, right? Some kids have other things to do, like take care of siblings, you have busy outside lives, external factors. So they don't all look the same, but that doesn't mean they can't be successful. The snazziest project is not necessarily the one that shows the most mastery. So you're in the middle of this project right now. Mm -hmm. The first project was due last week, mm -hmm. and the second of the three is due in a few days. Yeah. What kind of products have you seen from students so far? Oh, I've had one of everything turned in at least. Um, lots of great products. I've actually had 96% of my students turn in the first product. Wow. And that, in, that was the shortened week too. It was only three days and we had lots of students out for different activities. So that just shows how high their engagement was because they were able to choose. And I told them, choose based on your mood. Like, do you feel like creating a graphic novel right now? Or do you feel like writing something? Do you want to put your headphones in and get in your feelings and start creating something? Or do you want to just get it done and research what is your mood right now and so that has been really helpful just choosing the timing where I think if I had assigned and said everyone will be researching this week I would have gotten a much lower percentage of products turned in because I wouldn't say my kids are necessarily known for turning in homework that's, oh, no. or no, no, work no. right <laughs> yes. uh, that's not something that just naturally happens uh, so the products have been really great I've had you know movie trailers turned uh, book trailers turned in that look like really great and graphic novels and kids who are like finished their second project already because they were just really into it. I've also had students who've chosen in the course of the day, today I'm just going to read my book because I realize that I need to do read more of my book in order to create this. And so they've chosen themselves to read for like 50 minutes and make notes as they're reading. They're literally like self-assigning annotations um, so that they can create this product. And I think just the empowerment of it all and the free choice has really grabbed their attention. Back to that, mm -hmm. you have kids choosing to read for the entire period, mm -hmm. kids making book trailers, kids yes. just basically doing everything. So I want you to take a snapshot in your brain <laughs> of class at just any moment. And I want you to describe what class looks like. Where are kids? Where are you? What are they doing? 
Yeah, so I would say they're they're everywhere. Like I've got stationary kids sitting in a corner reading, like annotating with post-its. I have kids moving into the supply closets because they know they need a ruler for their graphic novel or whatever. And then kids, I mean, I have a kid making a huge mural as an advertisement for his book. So that's splayed out in the middle. And then a clump that have come together using like an editing software that one of them found. Because a, a major part of the tech projects, I don't even know how to do. I, I tell them like, you can make a book trailer and if you need any help, the, the kids know the big joke is you cannot ask Miss Ramos because she does not know. And so they're helping each other find those things, find the cool apps that work well for editing, that kind of stuff. So, and then me as the teacher, I'm moving around constantly with my little binder and my little clipboard and just moving from person to person, seeing who needs help. And so there, we have talked about some tools about how to line up for when you need help, but frankly, they need me much less now. The first few days, everybody needed me, and now I have to interject myself into people working, and they frankly tell me to leave them alone. And I'm like, no, I want to hear about it. Tell me more. But that's just kind of what, what's happening. And then toward the end of the period, I give them a little warning, and we start getting cleaned up, and everyone knows that's what's going to happen tomorrow. So we're sitting in your classroom right now, yes. actually, and mm -hmm. your room is not a disaster. <laughs> yeah. So for kids doing free projects for five periods today, mm -hmm. your room is clean. Yeah, well, I'm a big stickler for things being put away at the end of the period. So um, they know that. They know, like, I'm going to warn them before the bell. And so they need to be cleaned up in their area because they get dismissed by sections for the bell. We don't storm the doors. This is our public space. It's our space that we're all working in. They, that's just one of the expectations that I put into class at the beginning of the year. So are you going to do something like this again? Absolutely. Um, I've always done projects like this where there was a little bit of choice and a menu and fun ways to interact with the book, but I've never given kids ex this much freedom, right? Freedom to choose when the product is due and in what order and which one's the summative and which are the formatives. And that has really made all the difference. I mean, I got some great stuff before, but I've never seen this level of engagement and the products have never been so good. So I'm really excited about continuing this again in the future. So how was it as a teacher pretty much relinquishing all control to a bunch of 14 year olds? Uh, yeah, I won't, I won't lie to you. The first two days is like, you know, sweaty panic for sure. Um, but honestly, they jumped right in. So I was like pleasantly surprised that they were just so focused on what they needed to be doing and that they so many of them chose to continue reading because they knew they needed more text evidence or more information about the book in order to do their project rather than me telling them you really need to read because you're going to need to read for your project they just like figured that out and they discovered that on their own most eighth graders they're not in love with reading and that's kind of one of the goals of this project mm -hmm. is to really help them love reading and how did you get every single eighth grader a book they love. Oh yeah, well that is something that we build up from the beginning of the year. I have a huge classroom library that I'm always working on building. Well, I tell them that reading is kind of like watching television. If you're on the right channel, you can do it for hours and you know binge watch a show that you, for like hours and hours, you won't even know the time has passed. But if you're on the wrong, cha wrong channel, it's painful. And so that's, that's the expectation is if you're not loving your book, if you're not reading, if you're not reading at a great rate, if you're not moving forward in it, then let's ditch that book and find you something else. And so there is a lot of um, like trial and error. Like we had some kids start some books last year, do a project on it, but really they only made it to page like 60 or 80. And then they'll say, you know what, Miss Ramos, I'm really not invested in this book. I'd like to try something else. And that's totally fine. And so they'll take it home, they'll read more and they move forward that way. But it's just something I've built up from the beginning of the year and I'm still working on. Because even a kid who 
hates reading has a story out there that they really love. And so that is, I think, where the individual conferencing and working with that student is so important. Knowing the kids, what they like, kind of what level they're reading on, although I will never assign a book based on level alone, it's um, important to keep in mind, obviously, when you're pairing it with a student. What are you seeing like in the kids? You said that you've had almost all your kids turn in projects. You're really seeing investment and engagement. You're seeing them prioritize whether I need to be reading or working. What skills are you seeing grow in, in the kids right now? I mean, honestly, in these eighth graders, I'm seeing a lot of organizational benefits. I mean, I'm seeing them like decide what materials they're going to need, make a little list for it, like make a post-it note to themselves, that kind of thing. And then also working with each other as like learning partners. Um, like I um, have seen kids who know that a friend is absent, leave whatever notes I have on a post-it and then stick it to their little project sheet and leave that note for them in like our class folder because they just know they're going to need that tomorrow, right? Or work together in those ways, thinking for the future and planning ahead. And then also the huge benefit has been in the silent reading aspect. We've always read um, 15 minutes of, of silent reading three days a week, and that's just been a big part of our class. But we've upped it to 20 minutes every single day. And kids, frankly, did not have the fluency for 20 minutes last semester or even, you know, two months ago. But now as we're like even just in the second week of this, you know, on the like six, sixth or seventh day, that 20 minutes is silent and kids are really reading. There's not fake reading going on. They're sticking with the book. They're invested in the books in a way that they weren't necessarily before. I mean, I always had kids who loved reading, but the stragglers, the ones who were the most reluctant readers have been um, enjoying the silent reading time a lot more. What would you say to teachers that like to assign the same book to the whole class mm. and expect them to do a project on it? I think that there's definitely a place for mentor texts, and I'm not saying that I don't use those, but the kids are never going to react to a book in the same way as when they get to choose it, right? And so if you're trying to build stamina and fluency, then the best way is with the book that they chose. If you're trying to teach literary elements or like have a common text that we can discuss theme about, then absolutely read a common uh, book. But I'm all a huge fan of excerpts and short stories, um, plays, pieces of drama, that kind of thing, or even just taking a novel and taking the biggest chunks out of it, you know, to read together so we can have that to talk about. So so I do think that there's a place for them, but that should not be all that the kids are exposed to. I mean, because they're never going to find a love of reading if you tell them what to love. Okay, so Abby, thank you so much for sharing about your book love project. On our Twitter page, you will be able to find a link to some of Abby's resources and even some of the student projects. So you can follow Abby Ramos Sanitz on Twitter at I am Miss Ramos, and you can follow me, Danielle Johnson, at iHeartMissJohnson. Follow turn underscore and underscore talk on Twitter to get Abby's resources and stay up to date on the latest episodes. And remember, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world.